1: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and 3-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai.
0: There's joy in every journey. This episode of Gen C is sponsored by Chainalysis, PayPal, and Winechain.
2: Welcome to Gen C. Gen C is Generation Crypto. These are the people who were raised on a different philosophy on how they look at money, how they look at identity, how they look at privacy, and how they reimagine their relationships with the communities and companies they interact with. We focus on how Web2 and Web3 brands are building for these audiences. I'm Sam Ewan from Coindesk, and our co-host is Avery Akineni from Vayner3. Avery, I know it's Wednesday for us. The show comes out Monday, so happy Monday to you.
3: Hello, Sam, happy early Monday.
2: How's everything, how's your life, everything good?
3: It's good, I think that, you know, the wind of summer is picking up. There are so many cool things happening. There's a lot of exciting news happening in the world of Web3 this week, which is nice and positive bright spots of cool companies building things, doubling down, pivoting into new directions. It's a great time to be a part of the Web3 community. How about for you, how are you, Sam?
2: I'm generally good. I spent way too long on a Twitter Spaces last night. That made me feel upset. But I'm not going to get into that now because there is too much to unpack there. And that's not what our show is about. Our show is about the opportunities that Web3 enables. And so my cautious advice is don't spend too much time on Twitter spaces, no matter what you do, frankly, good or bad. But let us get into the stories that I think matter today. Our friend Bianca over at Doodles shared with us this today, the idea that Doodles are doing these amazing pop-ups with camp. Anyone doesn't know Camp, Camp is a kind of really fun, kitschy store focused on kind of outdoor activities, really focused on kids. They have a bunch of different locations. I think it's like New York, LA, Dallas, Atlanta. And the Doodles brand is going to be popping up in there as a part of a collaboration. They do these kind of rotational pop-ins, if you will. And I think there's a Disney one in right now. And I think Doodles is coming next. And I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of this idea of opening up to a more mainstream audience through this camp partnership?
3: For one, I think that this makes all the sense in the world. Doodles is such a colorful, beautiful brand. And I think the way that they found a lot of success, even within the microcosm of their Web3 fandom, is through doing really innovative events. I think you know this, but we actually brought a brand partner to their first ever one, which was at South By. It was amazing. It was the talk of the town, not just for the Web3 community, but for normal people who are walking by because their colors are so iconic. Shout out Bear Paints. We actually color matched all of them. It was super fun to their, you know, burnt toast palette. So I love the idea of Doodles doing a semi-permanent activation with Camp. Camp is also like a cool brand, beloved, family-friendly. I believe there is one in Hudson Yards, at least there used to be, where our X headquarters is. So I cannot wait to check it out.
2: Yeah, no, it's super exciting. The one question I want to ask you, because I thought you might have an interesting opinion about this, is... I'm challenged a bit with the overlay of these Web3 ecosystems that are really, you know, currently being built and really sold to, frankly, primarily men in their 20s, 30s, 40s. We want to make this more open. And yet there's so many of them that are focusing on their physical expression as being toys. And toys as collectibles, I get, and I certainly have a lot of stuff around my house. But I also wonder if there's something, and I just want to get your like hot take on this. Are we kind of simplifying the experience a little too much to what the promise is? Right, the idea is you've bought into an ecosystem, and now you get to spend more money by having to buy a physical representation of it. And I get why it's done. Pudgy Penguins has done what they did. Doodles has done what they've done. You've done plushies with V Friends. Like I understand the why, but there is a little part of me that feels slightly skeptical. And I only say that because it feels like just another expression that is not necessarily an evolution. And I wanna get your take on that.
3: So I think collectible items make a lot of sense because NFTs are of course digital collectibles. So a physical manifestation of that makes all the sense in the world. And you know, there's toys and plushies, there's also vinyls. So Friends has a set of vinyl figurines. Anyone who just went to VCon probably saw some of those in the museum that are more like collector's items. I think that two-tiered toy strategy is similar to the one that Pudgy Penguins is also adopting, something that's more mass appeal, and then something that's more for collectors. I think something like 20% of toy purchases are actually made by adults. Adults, because of all of the stress of their day-to-day lives, like adult coloring books are trending, adult toys are trending, adults are craving that comfort of being a kid. So toys are not just for children. They are now for adults as well. And I think it's a natural extension. That said... I think there are some examples that have been really breakthrough. And you know, I was really bullish on Luca and that's strategy for Pudgy Penguins because he leveraged his super community to kickstart the Amazon FBA algorithm, which is so smart. I was actually just chatting with him today and understanding how to create cross-channel opportunities is the mark of a serious operator. And he was able to do that very successfully. I think Gary has been able to leverage his fandom and his relationships from you know running VaynerX for the last 15 years into cross-channel relationships that are very beneficial. But I think the real reason this is interesting is that toy extensions actually get the IP in the hands of real people who are outside of the Web3 ecosystem who are not buying this toy because they think they're going to spend $10 and get 100 from it. They're buying it because they actually love it. And I think it's a really good litmus test to see what IPs really stand out to the average consumer. Launching a new IP and building the next Mickey Mouse is very, very challenging. And part of that is due to distribution. Part of that is due to Tastemaker. But a lot of it is also due to consumer attraction to the IP that you're building. And I think we'll see quickly which of these really take off and become the best-selling toys, you know, at Toys R Us or at Amazon or at Camp, wherever it is. And which of these are kind of a cool collab that don't really go anywhere. I think the next few years will tell us that. Yeah, something to keep our eyes on. Yeah, and one other thing, I just wanted to shout out the Doodles team. They're amazing, also based in Miami. We recently worked with Burnt Toast, who's the lead artist on this really fun program for Red Bull Doodle Art. And I actually just got back from that in Amsterdam. So, you know, I appreciate that their team is bringing the Doodle IP and the Doodle community and the sort of spirit of Burnt Toast into all of these really cool and thoughtful activations. I'm sure they get a lot of interest from companies who want to engage with them. And I think they do a good job of picking the ones where there's the right alignment.
2: Okay, I agree with you. But again, I'm going to play the devil's advocate, which is even with this camp deal that they're doing that like there's some exclusive ownership opportunities for those who hold the original doodles. But the real access point here is their studio, right, which is really kind of a more mass product. And I think they sometimes get a lot of flack from their community because They, you know, raise a bunch of VC money. They now are doing these deals. And they, unlike the Pudgy Penguins who licensed the four characters they released from their holders and they're doing a rev share with them, we're still not seeing very much of that come from the Doodles community. And I do wonder if they're, you know, treating themselves so much like an IP brand that they forgot what brought the money in and what brought the passion in, because they had a very, very low audience. Not that it's death by a thousand cuts, but they like they keep getting a little bit of heat from that community. And just purely through a conversation I feel like we have all the time that so much of Web3 is about community enablement. Do you think that maybe there's a little bit of white space they keep leaving out, which is how does the community truly get involved? How do we reward them in ways that are meaningful versus badge?
3: That's a million dollar question that a lot of these Web3 native brands are trying to answer is how do they keep their super fans super happy? and At the same time, grow. I think Luca did a nice job eloquently expressing the way that he plans to do this. And the reason that he is going to branch into new ways to generate revenue and earned media and brand awareness for the Pudgy Penguins is so he doesn't have to do endless mints where he charges his holders. And I think that's exactly right. It's like you have to grow beyond your core community. And those who are going to keep their core community very happy, though, can successfully leverage that group of super fans to kickstart these new audiences. I've got some faith in the Doodles team. I'm sure they've got some cool work up their sleeves, especially because, you know, shout out to the core founders, Jordan, Evan, and Scott. Like those guys have been in this community for a very, very long time, early dapper days. So I think they deeply understand how to communicate with the Web3 native audience and how to design experiences that surprise and delight them as they grow, you know, and they brought on folks from Twitter and Billboard, et cetera. To help grow into a more mainstream awareness.
2: Yeah, I think we're going to have to look at it. And I think you hit on the nose in terms of rewarding your super fans, right? That they had this core group, 10,000 holders or less who hold multiples, who I think were really bullish on what they were doing and then have just seemed to slowly grow more and more skepticism as they've made these moves. Now, we both know a bunch of their team. I agree. I think their team are executors. They know how to build, they know how to create opportunities and interesting possibilities. But there's a part of me that just worries a little bit that the fans are growing restless, if you will.
3: The Web3 fans are always restless. This we know, Sam.
2: This is true. All right. One quick story before we get to our guests. Super related. Formula One is experimenting with NFT ticketing. Yet another. We keep talking about this. So everyone it seems to be exploring NFT ticketing. But Formula One, a high-end race. The NFT tickets are a hospitality play. You get more access. And they are also a promise of future discounts. So our guests today are Matt Sanders, who's the lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold, David Marcus, who runs this sort of global digital music business for Ticketmaster. So I know we're going to talk to them about this, but it does raise the question, you know, is ticketing something that like is evolving in front of our eyes? And maybe the idea of a ticket is like, do you need an external ticket system if really the NFT grants you access? So I just wanted to get your thoughts on yet another luxury opportunity to buy something that gets you into something and rewards you with something. And then we're going to talk to some folks who do this for a living.
3: My take is that it's coming. It's not here yet. I think right now for the average F1 fan, they probably would be completely confused of how to use an NFT ticket. But introducing this as a component of exactly how you all did at Coindesk, right? For consensus, it's introducing this as one way that you can... Get access, but not the only way, because we're probably a little bit too early for that. I love F1. F1 Miami just happened, and I got to go with one of our partners, and it was amazing. And, you know, they're very cutting edge in a lot of ways, like doing a lot of cool stuff. They've got a lot of innovative DNA, a lot of excitement, a lot of marketing heat and hype. So it doesn't surprise me at all to see them starting to play in this space. And, you know, I hope that they do something like really breakthrough because there are a few brands and leagues and organizations who when you, you know, hear the name, you're like, wow, this better be f-ing awesome. And I think that F1 is one of them.
2: All right. Well, with that, let's talk ticketing all day long and fandoms. After the break, we are going to come back. David Marcus from Ticketmaster, Matt Sanders from Avenge Sevenfold are going to join us and we're going to talk all things, tickets, fandoms, hard rock, heavy metal horns, everything that we can possibly get into an interview. We're going to get it in. So mm-hmm. see you soon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Web3 offers budding opportunities for brands to create more value for their customers, engage fans, and build immersive community. But that doesn't come without its risks. Chainalysis helps Fortune 500 brands better understand and manage the risks in Web3 through proactive assessments, on-chain monitoring, investigations, training, and more, so that they can focus on building a roadmap for long-term growth. Learn more about how Chainalysis can help your company grow in Web3 at chainalysis.com/gen-c. <laughs> attention crypto holders moving crypto is seamless and secure with paypal with support for bitcoin eth and more you can buy sell hold send and check out with crypto at millions of shops online not to mention paypal now supports the ability to send to and from external wallets and charges you nothing when transferring between paypal and venmo crypto wallets whether you're exploring the world of web 3 or hodling on for another day paypal is the convenient and simple way to convert dollars into crypto PayPal has your back. They work to protect your financial info and give you confidence every step of your crypto journey. Now's the time to make your crypto move. Get started today at paypal.com slash crypto. Terms and conditions apply. Mm -hmm. NFTs may fade, but the technology lives on. Enter WineChain, the platform unleashing fine wines as an alternative asset class on the Polygon network. Top wineries mint rare cuvées as NFTs, ensuring value backed by physical bottles, tradable on a seamless peer-to-peer marketplace. Enjoy worry-free storage until you're ready to ship, at which point the NFT gets burned for added authenticity. Don't miss out on the perfect blend of wine passion and crypto benefits. Experience unmatched wine asset liquidity when you start your journey at WineChain.co today.
2: All right. So we have two amazing guests today. David Marcus, you're the EVP of Global Music, a Ticketmaster, and Matt Sanders, the lead singer of Avenged Sevenfold. Welcome to Generation Crypto.
4: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here.
2: All right. So just to start off, you know, I would love for each of you, maybe David, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you're doing, who you are, and then also kind of your relationship to kind of the web three ecosystem. And then we'll get to you, Matt, right after that.
4: Cool, yeah. So I lead Ticketmaster's global concert ticketing division. And the focus of my team is making sure that our platforms around the world are built in ways that serve principally the needs of artists and their concert promoters, helping them reach fans the way that works best for them. And it's really in that context that I came to Web3 in like 2019, started looking at how do we make more and better digital connections between artists and their fans I have the opportunity to be a mentor in um, Techstars Music, which is a music accelerator that Techstars runs. I got connected to a company that was involved with digital collectibles and just had kind of this light bulb moment that, you know, Ticketmaster has massive scale. We see tons of fans. And when we ran a test on a particular artist with this company, we saw like a 50% engagement rate with the digital collectible. And those kind of numbers immediately make your eyebrows go up and say, hey, you know, there's something here and we should chase this. We started down that path, the pandemic, you know, derailed all those efforts. And when we all came back from the pandemic, all of a sudden, you know, Web3 and NFTs was the thing. And so we moved very quickly to build capabilities in the space, which we can talk about later what those look like, but always around this idea of how do we build connections between artists and fans and take advantage of our surface area for the benefit of the the artists we serve.
1: Yeah, um, I became very interested in Bitcoin back in 2016 when I heard about it. I'm always a curious bugger, whether it's in science or philosophy or technology, and I I get really interested in things and I kind of go down rabbit holes and love to explore those things. And though I do play in a band and I have a lot of creative outlet there where it's writing lyrics and talking about these things and writing music and writing melodies and whatever it is, production, I also have a lot of other interests. And every once in a while, these interests collide and they seem to make sense. So if you fast forward from 2016, 17, getting into Ethereum, understanding smart contracts, um, never really putting two and two together that that could be something useful for the band, because at the time it was just a coin that had a lot of promises and not a lot of utility. Moving into 2020, I became aware of CryptoPunks, started collecting CryptoPunks, started collecting things like art blocks and all these sort of things that were really exploding in NFTs, And then the Board Ape Yacht Club came around. And that's when the aha moment for me happened where I understood they were making a club and these NFTs were, you know, memberships, but also being involved in the space for so long, I understood the technical side of it. I understood what it could do for other industries. And then I started looking at the band and thinking, well, we have many things people want from us, whether it's our time or guitar lessons or music or a connection at a live show or merchandise. And all these things started you know, rattling around in my head. And I really started seeing that NFTs and Web3 could be the kind of connective tissue to all things Avenged Sevenfold. If we could get people, not only great partners outside of what we were doing, but if we could build things ourselves to have this one-on-one connection with these fans. And also the cool little cherry on top was that they owned the IP and they owned their ownership into this club. And so we started really implementing the Web3 ethos into our Deathbats Club. And we created a token called the Deathbats Club on the Ethereum blockchain. We obviously use a lot of Layer 2 and different things with Polygon and different things to all kind of tie this really cool fan club slash membership slash group tribe on Web3. Yeah, that's kind of the quick version of it but just kind of deeply living in the space and understanding the ethos and what's cool about it and what's not.
3: I love that. Love an early adopter. So both of you are in this industry of cultivating fan-based communities, whether it's through your live shows and Death Bats Club or being the platform that allows normal consumers to see their heroes like Beyonce like live. So how do each of you see blockchain-based technology enhancing the relationships that you know, have existed for a long time? Like, you know, this fan to artist relationship isn't new, the fan engagement mechanism isn't new, but this is a new paradigm. So how do you see blockchain making this better? And then conversely, what are some of the potential drawbacks, if any?
1: Yeah, so not only do I think we can add benefits, which I'll get into to the fan, but it makes it extremely easy for us, right? So when we're talking to shopify and we're talking to Ticketmaster. we're talking about our tour our promoters and we're talking about getting merchandise to people whether it's nfc tags and authenticating that they've actually bought something and being able to reward them now in a way that you never could before like you know typical use cases that people are doing now we have this one place where we can do everything on the back end with our team instead of having 20 different companies doing things like chickens with their heads cut off going well can we give them a t-shirt if they buy a CD from here? And then like, what about the live show? Well, those are three different companies running all these things Or now it's just being streamlined straight to us. And the fan has all that power and control just by simply having the token in their wallet. So we found it extremely easy to be artistically innovative by just creating an idea and then being able to write a smart contract and then being able to implement that across all these sort of platforms. So that's very cool. Now, I think a drawback could be, and some people would see this as a positive, you know, just to kind of steel man the case, I don't think everything needs to be financially motivated, right? So one thing that we did when we started doing this is we knew we were giving ownership to the club, but we didn't want a bunch of people buying our token that didn't want to be in the club. We didn't want it to be something where, you know, people were just trying to make a buck on what we were doing and being, you know, our feet were put to the fire to keep providing things that people that like the band necessarily wouldn't like. I think when you look at video games and you look at owning a Fortnite skin, it makes a lot of sense. But I also think if you allow people to go in there and game the system just to get expensive skins to sell to people, then you potentially have a problem on your hands. So I don't think everything needs to be financially motivated. So I think that could be the steel man on some of the drawbacks. But I think there's so many positives where you're able to reward fans for just their normal behavior whether it's going to a show and giving them a POAP and then you collect five of those and now you get, you know, a free piece of merchandise or you've bought shirts or you're buying the vinyl or you're listening on Spotify or you're attending meet and greets. Those fans should be rewarded and there was never any way to really do that before on such a, you know, centralized, even though we like the term decentralized, in a centralized way where people are giving trust to us that we're going to provide value to them.
4: I think, Matt, you know, you nailed it. Clearly from an artist perspective, the opportunity, to get closer to the fan. NFTs, Web3 provide these mechanisms. And from our perspective, you know, we're one of those chickens with the head cut off in your ecosystem, right? Who provides a component of your business, but not all of your business. You're the only all of your business. And from our perspective, we want to be able to be a reward in terms of access, because that's one of the things we can offer fans if we know that they mean something to the artist In a relative way, we can give them preferred access, which is something we did with Event Sevenfold. We can reflect when they've attended. The best indicator of fandom is among the best, at least in our ecosystem, is attendance. Right? Purchase is one thing. Walking through the gates is the other. Right? That's how you know the fan. The PoAP mechanisms that we've designed into the system: you scan a digital ticket at any one of our venues, it can automatically mint a token, and that token can be or do anything. It can look any way. It can be a virtual version of a ticket. It could be a concert poster. It could be a game piece. It could be whatever the artist wants it to be. And then the artist, and you know, Matt, you're clearly ahead of the game You know, in the artist community in this space. But I think most artists look to own more and more of the relationships with their fans and not be mediated by these big organizations that orbit them. And I think the Web3 ecosystem Gives artists a platform where they can manage it. They can decide what they want the rewards to be. They can decide what they want the relative kind of hierarchies to be. And the companies in the space can inject mechanisms into that ecosystem, right? The pub can become part of that ecosystem. The access can be a utility that that ecosystem affords the fans. So I think it allows traditional, you know, web two players, centralized players like Ticketmaster to connect to artists and build out a richer artist-to-fan experience and provide value in it and not be an extractor, but be a contributor.
2: David, you know, you guys are a massive organization and you're servicing hundreds, probably thousands of different events every week. The decision and then the implementation of building a token gated system, do you want to just talk a little bit about how that came to be? Was there any friction, you know, as you're going to your product team and saying, hey, you know... Matt would love for us to give the Deathbats community the opportunity to do X, Y, and Z. Was there pushback or were people excited about this sort of new paradigm of fan to artist engagement?
4: Yeah, no pushback at all. I mean, our team motto is artist driven, ticketmaster powered, right? We have all these resources, all these product people, all these engineers. And what we want is for the artist to say, this is what's important to me. And I've been involved with Event Sevenfold. I mean, going back 20 years, arm's length. And then I was at Warner Brothers, and they were on the label. And I've sort of seen Matt's creativity from afar. And when he started getting active in the Web3 space, I sought him out. And we had a lunch, and I said, you know, hey, we're interested in the space, but we can't do it ourselves. It means more when the artist is invested in it. It means more when it comes from the artist. And so when an artist like Matt says, You know, this is something that's important to me. I got a team of people I can grab any one of and say, all right, let's go. And we built it really fast. Great collaboration. Matt's got an amazing team on his side of the fence. We were able to partner, solve problems really quickly. And I think bring a really simple and elegant solution to the table for the fans that not only allowed them some utility from their token in terms of access to tickets, but a particular kind of ticket buying experience that was really fan friendly. Not a race based system. It's called Ticketmaster Request. Fan can come in, validate that their token is in their wallet, put in a, a request for tickets, walk away, and then get the tickets delivered to them a couple days later. And it gives organizations like Event Sevenfold the opportunity to have a lot of say over how tickets are allocated because you can allocate any number of ways by mint number, by rarity type, by length of hold. You know, it's tons of control on the back end. So no friction all in when an artist comes to the table with a creative idea like this. And I think we nailed it simply.
3: I've got a follow on question for you, David, because I know your organization has done work across a couple of different sort of web three initiatives. Obviously you have this project with Avenge Sevenfold, which I believe is on Ethereum. You've also worked with some stuff, you know, for Super Bowl, And I believe that was with Dapper. You stood up your own marketplace. How do you think about these things sort of working in concert? Is this all part of sort of one greater strategy or are you sort of, trying a couple of different things and seeing what ultimately resonates with fans and artists.
4: I think we're early days in the space generally. I think we're in the discovery mode. We try to anticipate you know, where the demand would be, where the engagement would come from. We tried to maximize what we think our advantage in the space is, which is our scale. We sell a lot of tickets and we scan a lot of people into venues. And if we can bring that to the artist community, and their creative partners, we think there are some interesting ideas will come out of it. And not just the arts community. I mean, Ticketmaster serves, as you know, the NFL, the Super Bowl, lots of clients in all the major leagues, arts organizations, and we're a global business. We're 25 plus countries. So, you know, we have international clients. I was in Australia last week, met with a big sports client down there that's getting involved in NFT. So the mission is create flexible tools that take advantage of our strengths and anticipate client needs and then let them bring the creativity to it.
2: Matt, I want to talk about your audience for a second, because I think we write about all shades of crypto here at Coindesk. I think a lot of people think that the crypto audience is slightly nerdy, you know, focused on money, all of these kinds of things. I think the reality is a lot of people look at crypto as a religion. A lot of people look at band fandom as a religion, whether it's through heavy metal hip hop, whatever it might be. I think there's just a ton of synergies, but I don't think that the mainstream crypto industry would look at your audience base and say, oh, here's an opportunity. And how do we kind of talk more and better to them? So I'm just wondering, you know, have you found a lot of receptive feedback from your fans to create this opportunity to get closer and closer to you guys, building a loyalty and reward system, the IP structure that you did with the Death Bats Club? You know, just like take us a little bit through kind of the response from your audience. And I say that also through the like lens of knowing how much the gaming industry got like flack for this? Did you see similar within your fandom or did you see actually, no, they're super receptive?
1: Um, yeah, so we did a lot of work of making tutorial videos and things to kind of walk people through it because there was such a lack of knowledge of what was happening. And then obviously, you know, there's moments where NFTs are this kind of hot item. And then we obviously saw that there was a big backlash on it and that, you know, everyone kind of turned on it. And you see that even this people in the space, it's so money-driven, right? And I don't blame people's skepticism of it. I think most people that I talk to, I talk to people all the time about it. 99% of them have no real fundamental understanding of what it is and why it's important or why it's special. If I could do it over, I'd probably start a fan club or start a membership program and not even mention the blockchain. And when people want to get in, I would just explain... How you get in and why these new things that we can promise them that we can never promise them before are possible. But I would only give that information out when it was asked of me instead of starting with, hey, we're starting this membership thing based on NFTs and yada, yada, yada. Because at the end of the day, what the fan really wants is an experience unlike any other. And we have provided that on so many different levels in terms of this ticketing thing and in terms of some other partnerships we have coming, but also. The merch and the NFCs and being able to have a rewards program where any sort of involvement in this ecosystem, we can see it and we can reward you, right? We have a thing called Ticket Pass, which is, you know, every single aspect of participating, whether it's going to shows or going to a meet and greet or, you know, or buying a vinyl or buying a t shirt, all these things add towards your point system, almost like American Airlines reward system, right? But doing it on the blockchain makes it much easier for us. If I could do it all over, I wouldn't even mention it because it's actually irrelevant. Right. It's a special technology that all of us geeks can talk about. Well, this is so cool. I'm so glad that we have this tool. But to the fan, it shouldn't matter. To the fan, it should just be, oh, I have a token. I understand. I trust that I can sell this thing and the IP goes along with it. And that's all they really need to know. And I guess there are other things like if you lose it, it's gone. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You know, we can't do anything about that. But I think um, it's just been so convoluted with bad actors, gambling, penny stock sort of attitude, build a company out of nothing. I started like attributing it to, I'm going to sell you tickets to a concert, but there's no band yet. And like I swear these concert tickets are going to be worth something someday, so can you buy them? And it's just hot potato. And that just doesn't work, right? And so it's going to take things like bands like us, artists like us that tread upstream and just completely deliver on every level over and over and over until people kind of throw their hands in there and go, fine, I'll get this stupid token because I love the band and I want to be closer and I see how much cool stuff you're doing. And we have that every day right we sell multiple death bats every day to people that finally go i hate nfts but i'm going to get this one because i think you guys are doing it right and i take a lot of pride in that because we've talked about where we see this thing going and through the bull market and the bear market that should be irrelevant to artists and people really trying to build on this thing because the price of the token to us it really has no significance on our life what it has to do with is building cool things for the fans And so that's kind of where I'm at on it.
3: Matt, I have a little bit of a follow-on question there. Thanks for sharing your perspective on how this has evolved. And you've know, you been innovating for a long time, right? Across different mediums and NFTs just sort of being one of them. I love the insight that if you could do it again, you would use different vocabulary. Are you starting to sort of shift the vocabulary of how you describe this program and sort of what you're building or more sort of sticking with the original program and bringing more people in as they start to see the real value and benefits to them as fans?
1: I'm sort of just letting the product and the fans do it themselves, right? We have a Discord with around 50,000 people in it. And it's all NFT driven because a lot of those people are in there, right? There's only 10,000 tokens, but there's 50,000 people in there. And we did a thing called ticket pass, which was a free thing on Polygon. So people feel like they're a little part of, you know, something where we give them benefits. But for me, I'm just letting them do the talking because I feel like they do a really good job of peer-to-peer, and they've been through it already with, uh, my Discord's not connecting to my MetaMask, and why isn't this website connecting? Well, you got to be through the browser, and I'm using Coinbase NFT, and I don't understand, and they can really help. For us, what I'm doing is things like this, or talking to the Spotify's of the world, or talking to Shopify, and talking to, you know, individual promoters, and trying to figure out ways that we can really make this cooler so that anything that we imagine we want to start building right away. And then I'm on with our team a lot and just like not promising anything and just like over delivering over and over, right? Whether it's two months from now or whether it's three months from now, just constantly building cool things that we can just keep adding into the club. So that's kind of what I do more than like getting in the weeds now. But I will if someone asks me, I'll explain it to them. But I've explained it a lot over the last couple of years and it's, it, gets, it gets really tiring, right? Like, you know, this is how you get MetaMask. It's not going to, you know, steal your data, hopefully.
2: David, I have a question. You know, when you think of your business, Avery and I talk a lot with our guests about the idea of interoperability and, you know, the idea that someone might hold a bat and then be able to say, oh, maybe Disturbed is on tour, right? Or like a related type ban. Are there opportunities for you guys, and this could be collective, to say, you know, hey, now, folks, we know that people who love Avenged Seven Hole don't only love Avenged. I mean, some of them probably do. But, you know, the idea that to say it's part of a psychographic profile that allows us to then reward that audience with different types of experiences. Have you guys looked into ways into to kind of reward communities with additive experiences in the live space?
4: Yeah, for sure. There's... A conversation between Disturbed and Avenged about, you know, is Disturbed going to let Death Bats holders into their token gated ticketing experience? That's not for us to decide, but it's certainly it's there. And as you begin to imagine an ecosystem of collectibles, of fans who have shown their affinity for an artist by participating in a membership campaign or just a cool collectible, there's all kinds of opportunity to. Add utility to that collection. You know, I think that's a big part of being a music fan having a record collection, having a poster collection, you know, having the pins you collect and the t shirts you collect. And, you know, now we're living in this world of streams where it's all sort of just living in this giant database in the sky. And I think there's a lot of opportunity to give fans an opportunity to collect again even as tickets have become digital, you know, the digital ticket is nothing to take a screenshot of and save. I mean, it's total utility in the purest sense. I went to a show last night, a client opened a new venue and it's all digital tickets. And we laid this really modern system on them that protected them from resale and everything. And when we all walked in the door, they handed us an old school paper ticket for the show, like it was 40 years ago. And everyone was really stoked to get that. And I heard the guy behind me say, I have no idea where I'm going to put this, but this is awesome that I have it. Right. You know, so I think we have an opportunity to reach out to digital natives, give them digital collectibles that memorialize their experiences, and then talk to and with those collectibles and help deepen fandom. That's the big picture here. And, you know, I thought before the crypto winter, artists would race to embrace this collectible strategy and labels would just be frothing to get into it. And I think we're in a little bit of a, a trough, but I'm certain, confident that that demand's going to come back. And with artists like Matt leading the way and showing that it's doable, fans are into it, cool utility can be created. I think other artists are going to embrace this.
1: I would love to team up with bands, right? Because if you think about a collection and there's you know, around 6,000 deathbed holders out of 10,000 tokens or whatever you want to say, individual wallets. And, you know, when you look at, when you break down market by market, how many of those people are really in Dallas? How many of those people are really in, you know, Bangor, Maine or whatever? The numbers are relatively small. So to team up with like Slipknot or Megadeth or, you know, Metallica and our token holders get access to tokens or, or to tickets or whatever, that's incredible. And I'll also say the idea of digital and physical Digital doesn't have to replace physical. I just took my son to Bionic Records because I wanted to go visit some friends that I hadn't seen in years. And he fell in love with vinyl, came home, bought a record player, bought, you know, Appetite for Destruction and User Illusions. He loves those records, bought them on vinyl, and he's playing them every day in his room. And the fact that we have NFC tags on all of our vinyl, to me, is a complete compliment Because what you do is you have this vinyl and it's heavyweight and it feels amazing and all the artwork's there and it's great. And then you go and scan it and then you all of a sudden you have a digital experience of the same thing and then you can actually redeem an NFT which goes into your wallet and now it says, well, we know you bought that vinyl. Next time tickets come, we're going to put you in the front of the line. To me, it's just such a no-brainer and it's just so cool. It's not replacing anything. It's not, but we can, you know, both sides of it are really cool. And um, I think it just super serves a fan in so many ways that it will catch on. I just think, you know, there's managers and there's agents and there's people that are looking at the space that don't understand it, that want to just say, well, you know, Ethereum's not worth anything anymore and these things are all going to zero and it's a bust. They don't realize that these are just big databases that make life a lot easier if you know what you're doing.
3: Yeah, I think that exactly what you're saying is how we're gonna probably cross that trough of disillusionment that David mentioned, where there was so much energy and excitement. And of course, every artist wanted to get all over these. And then it sort of cooled off so much due to pricing and economy and also a very like large number of scams, or communities who were expecting things that were probably a little bit unrealistic, you know, bands who were selling the albums before they had their first practice. But there remains this tremendous opportunity. What do you think will be the kind of key movers in the music industry? that get bands and artists back interested in this space and participating? Do you think it's that they need an infrastructure base or they need a few examples of folks who are doing it right or maybe something else?
4: I think the answer to that is yes. I think they need this, you know, all change requires leadership and support. And, you know, we're aiming to be the support. And I think Matt is a leader and, you know, you bring these things together and you build critical mass. And that's how change happens and that's how growth happens. And I think we're excited about where we stand. We're open for business. Matt's leading on the artist side. He's got a great team of people around him and behind him who can help other artists. So I think there's really good opportunity to bring those things together.
1: There's a digital handshake that happens, right? Where the artist has to have a team that can give Ticketmaster something to work with. So what we've done is everything we've built, we've made a back backend where you could just be a Web2 social media manager and you don't need to know anything about blockchain you can turn on redemptions you can turn individual tokens to have certain perks or do whatever all done in a way that you don't need to understand you know you don't need to be programming web3 stuff and building contracts out we've built it so that any artist can come to us we could roll you right in and then you can go these are the things that are important to me and our team can build it right but at this point you know let's be honest a bunch of artists got involved early and they said, Hey, I heard I can put my album cover on there and I'm gonna make a bunch of money. And they had no clue. They didn't think deeply about anything, and they're just taking advantage of the fans. And I get in trouble a lot. Well, I don't really care, but for my hot takes on this stuff. But if you're gonna be money hungry, don't care about anything deeper than the surface level, then you are gonna be out instantly as soon as the money's gone. But the reality is there's a gold mine here of just connection, utility and just things you can do for your fans that people are completely missing because they can't get paid you know, $10,000 on a one of 10 of their album cover, which means nothing, which will not do anything for a fan. So this is just simply, people need to be shown the way. And we think we're doing it in an ethical way, but what I love about it is we don't tell people they need to do it like us. It's literally, if you're an artist, come into Web3 and think of whatever you want and you can build it. That's it.
2: I just want to pull a little bit more on the tech stack. Because I think it's really important for both our audience to know, but also I love the idea that you can inspire other bands, performers, artists to get involved. Because, you know, you've mentioned you're reading Poaps, you're reading NFC chips that are on albums and merch. You have the Death Bats community. Like, how much of that is right now a stack that you guys had to custom build? Is there an opportunity for, you know, artists can come to you. Is this, you know, have you created in essence a service offering for others to do it? Can you just like talk a little bit more about what you guys have built?
1: Yeah, so our team all came from Barracuda Cybersecurity, one of these guys I grew up with since I was in fifth grade. His name's Joe Tataro, And he brought three of his best engineers. They were all working up in San Francisco and they left really good jobs because they fell in love with Web3. And I said, let's do this thing. So we built every single aspect from the ground up. We're not using, you know, APIs to connect to other parties. He said, if we're going to build this thing, we want to build it under our watch to make sure that This thing is as solid as it can be, and we have kind of control over everything we add into this ecosystem. And these guys are extremely talented. We have these calls, and they're just, they hammer me on things because they want to know exactly what they're building and what the use case is and why we're spending our time doing this. But what they've done is they've built it in a way to where we can take our social media, our project manager, her name's Courtney, she's incredible. She's been with us for 14 years, who knew nothing about Web3, and they've given her a tool. To where she can turn things on, turn things off, give rewards, do this, do that, see the things coming in, see them going out, knowing when people are redeeming, everything's getting read out on an Excel spreadsheet or whatever she needs. Everything's being automated in a way that it goes to our merch company and they don't have to do anything except send a package, right? And so everything they've built has been to make it so that it's autonomous and it just works without having to know the, you know, the nuts and bolts of it. And it has been built in a way that we can roll any artist in and many artists in quickly, easily, and they won't have to know much about it other than this is what I want to do and here it is. The company's name is Bitflips. That's what they started. And we're basically the guinea pigs that we come up with ideas and we build it together. Then they put it into this sort of like, now there's another thing we do. Hopefully another band comes along and we can offer that to them. And then now we can offer this to them. And so that's everything from, yeah, NFCs on merch to PoApps to ticketing and more things coming, like I said, to just simple things like authorized Discord and colors change and just all the typical stuff, right? It's got everything. So it's very cool.
3: Is that something that like other artists could use? Like we could just like refer an artist there?
1: Yes. I mean, that's something that we want, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's all cool what we're doing, but these guys are working their butts off and they would love to have more people to work on. So we're building a lot of stuff, but I think even the simple thing of making a band's token for them and then being able to interact with Ticketmaster, right? That can be done in a couple of days or less, right? And it's like, all it is is a call and go, here it is.
3: I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that artists have is that they're going to have to build all this type of thing on their own and they're going to have to be blockchain experts when like the reality is tools exist that can be scaled over to these artists, even if they're independent artists.
1: Yeah, it's as simple as clicking a couple of buttons when I look at their backend, when I go in there and mess around with it. It's so simple. But it's got to be explained. And I think, and listen, there's so many people, when you think about the music industry, I was thinking the question that was posed to David about, you know, why isn't Avenged and Disturbed doing something? There's so many managers and people that are so protective of their artists and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, these are people that don't take risk. And this is one of those things I know a lot of managers. I I dinner with them and I talk to them about this and they see it, but they don't want to put their artists in that sort of line of fire, first off. And second off, what's going to happen is it's going to be slowly, 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 then all at once and everyone's going to go, oh, we totally knew this was going to happen and, and glad that you know X, Y, and Z all did it and it works and duh. And I, we've seen that all before. And so for us, it's just about making great products and great utility for our fans. And then I think others will come, but it's going to take some balls on some artists and some managers to do it.
4: I want to just add to that. I've been in music and tech for almost 30 years and the number of amazing opportunities I've sat with artists and managers and talked through that were just so spot on, on brand for the fans. And 98% of the time it's a no because it's a really risk averse community, which is fascinating. When you think about these great creative minds love to connect with their fans. And when it comes to music and tech, there's a ton of fear and uncertainty.
2: Just like crypto. Just like
4: crypto, fear, uncertainty, and doubt.
2: David, I wanna ask you, because Avery and I both know a lot of companies in the blockchain space, who are trying to be the next ticket master, want to replace ticketing with these Web3 rails. I don't think they recognize how hard the business you're in is specifically. Are you worried that your potential biggest competitor is like tinkering away on smart contracts in a garage right now? Or is this something where you're trying to think of how do we actually
4: enable others to do this? Um, I wouldn't say we're worried. We're always paying attention to what is happening in tech. It's our job to be on it. And ahead of it. We acquired a blockchain ticketing company in 2018 called Upgraded. And we integrated that into our retail point of purchase. So when you go to a box office, you're actually getting issued a ticket that's on a blockchain, but it's invisible to the fan, right? We have a closed system and mostly you're getting a ticket and walking in a venue. So there's not a lot of added utility to it, but we're really interested in how blockchain technology makes the live entertainment experience better. The live entertainment experience today from a ticketing perspective is mature. (laughs) It's 30 years ago, I think this week, the Ticketmaster sold its first ticket on the internet. And so you've got 30 years of refinement of platform and deep integrations and massive scale. I looked today, the number of blocks minted on Ethereum today is somewhere around 7,000 if you just equate that to tickets, we sell 7,000 tickets in about 10 minutes for a single show in a single venue you know, on any given morning. And you know, we're dealing in the hundreds of millions of tickets a year. And it's all time sensitive. It's all zero failure tolerance. You saw what happened when people can't get tickets to an artist that they adore, the world melts down if you don't have the most reliable platform you can behind it, nothing else matters. Resale royalties don't matter. Smart contract enforceability across marketplaces doesn't matter. You have to be able to sell the thing and get somebody in the building. That's the one-on-one before you can have any of these other conversations. And you know, blockchain skill is not there yet, but that doesn't mean it's to be ignored. And it means we have to be paying attention to what the opportunities look like. We think right now the opportunities are in the collectible space and in the fan engagement space and those are easy and those are there for the taking and the experimentation and we're we're in on that the ticketing stuff just seems like there are simpler ways to solve those big problems today than moving to a completely new you know tech infrastructure you
2: know avery they just had vcon last week all their tickets are nfts for consensus our event we have a bunch of nft tickets Tribeca Film has NFT tickets. F1 just announced they're exploring this. So it does feel like there's a lot of interest in it. And I do think we've seen a lot of the opportunity to reward ticket holders, especially with surprise and delight of new experiences, which I think, you know, Matt, this feels like what you guys have really enabled is this opportunity to create extraordinary experiences digitally and physically. So it just feels like that is an opportunity for also to really change the ticket relationship with fans. And to look at it, it's collectible, but it's access, right? I love the story you just talked about. You walk into a venue, someone hands you a physical ticket. Why? Because it, you know, not only is it a tangible tactile thing, but, you know, to me, nothing replaces the IRL experience of going to a show. But then the ability to say that collectible, oh, scan it when you leave and it opens the live recording of the concert or it gets you into the presale for the next. I mean, it seems like there's so many opportunities for the addition of value here. Is that where you come from?
1: You know, right now we're in a position where a lot of people are doing NFT ticketing and we just know selling tickets at that scale like David's talking about is very tough. You know, we're doing the form and that sold out pretty quickly, right? So you're going to ask 13, 14,000 people, hey, go get a MetaMask and, you know, we're going to give you this token on this. And I know you could do it kind of in custodial wallets or whatever we want to do, but what we've decided is we feel like token gating before the act to get early access is cool, but we're also building something where NFCs can mirror, and this is going to get a little convoluted, but imagine walking up to a venue, you're scanning your ticket, which is an NFC a lot of times with Ticketmaster and we're doing it with the merch, but those things can mirror your wallet and we can see if you have a Death Bats club in it. And that information goes directly back to our team where now we can reward you in the same way because we saw you walk in and it doesn't need to be done with an NFT. It's being done with an NFC. That's kind of talking to your NFT backend. This is something that token proofs done, right? And people have worked on. I think there's going to be all these little small incremental, you know, moves when you're talking about big artists selling massive amounts of tickets instantly and things have to happen quickly. The same way that I don't understand, you know, selling your album cover, but I do see in two, three, five, ten 10 years, royalties being on chain and being able to fractionalize royalties, right? And streaming being on chain. And I see this kind of grandiose future, but I just don't know if we're there yet. And I think it might take some time. And I think you need people that are doing stuff now that makes sense for the average person that doesn't know what these things are and doesn't interact with them and maybe warm them up to the idea of having a wallet and interacting with your collectible or, you know, being able to be rewarded because you've been airdropped something because you attended an event. So I think there's going to be all these little gray areas, a spectrum of things happening. And I think people that are just going straight into NFT ticketing, it's cool for someone like me. Cool. But I definitely think that the mass public needs a little more of the, you know, the arm around them and say, hey, come over here with us. This is how this works. This is what we're doing here. We're up the street at the other bar and we're showing you what we're doing here. I think it's a a good way to kind of get people used to what's happening before we just jump all in on that stuff.
3: Yeah, I think that, you know, moving from proof of concept, which you guys have obviously done very well into scale, you have to develop tools that are interesting. And David, thanks for sharing your perspective on the collectability is a place to play. You know, I love that pins are back, paper tickets are back, all of this stuff, like what's old is new. Again, the novelty is actually coming from physical items. Because I couldn't agree more. I think that we are living in a mixed digital first, but physical reality still matters a lot. So it's amazing to hear both of your perspectives on how these two things can coexist for the next generation of fans.
1: No, thank you. We're excited. We're just going to see where it goes. You know, I don't take life too seriously. I think we're here to create and try things out and I'm okay at failing at some things, but I think this has got a real clear path of what we can do. And I think if you just look at our fans, how happy they are, that's to me is all I care about. They feel like they've just rolled into the craziest thing ever that all this stuff is you know, benefiting them and their life and how they interact with us. And I think if you get everybody doing that and then you kind of do on larger scales, like you said, maybe Ticketmaster does their own thing where they're rewarding people that go to tons of shows, you know, now you can go to, you can get tickets early to Taylor Swift because you bought Beyonce and you bought The Weeknd, right? Like these are cool things that if people just open their minds, managers, artists, and allow these things to go that direction, I think it's really fun.
4: Yeah, we agree. We agree. I think there's tons of opportunity for creativity here. And and like I said before, you know, we're open for business and looking to help artists realize those visions. So it's been fun being partners with Matt and us.
3: I love it. Ticketmaster is open for business. Matt and his team are open for business. Thank you both so much for sharing your insights on what you built so far and what's going to help sort of take that into the future. Really admire both of your work and very, very grateful that you made the time to join us on this podcast.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks guys.
2: Avery, I'm hoping you are now a heavy metal devotee. Got your fingers up in the air, your cutoff jean jacket on.
3: Oh, yeah. You know, I've been familiar with Avenged Unfold for a long time. After this, I'm feeling very inspired to go pick up their new album, which apparently includes this cool NFC tag. So I'm going to have to get myself one.
2: For sure. Yeah. I spent a bunch of this week listening. You don't know this about me. We haven't known each other that long. Yet. But yeah, you know, when I was in high school, big Black Sabbath fan, love the hard rock music. I did spend the last week listening to a lot of Avenged music, which gotta say, kind of catchy. You
3: know, listening to it in the safety of one's own home seems like the move for somebody like me. I did go to, I think it was a Muse show, there was a mosh pit. Somebody stepped on my foot and broke one of my toes. So <laughs> and
2: you're like, I'm done. Yeah, pretty much. Never again. <laughs> uh,
3: but that was a really interesting conversation. I think just hearing Matt's perspective on how to improve the fan experience was amazing. And then to have somebody like David, who is so supportive of bringing artist visions to life at a, you know the biggest scale possible through Ticketmaster, it's a really cool partnership and collaboration. You can just see how well their teams have worked together to develop this proof of concept, which is inspiring and a nice model for those who are looking to potentially participate. And they've also built a toolkit that makes it so it's not as hard as it was for the you know folks who went first.
2: Yeah. I feel like we probably know some people who might want to hear more about this toolkit, because it sounds like they've solved a lot of the challenges that a small band or a you know an up and coming artist might have to your point of not needing to build all of it which is one of the beauties of web3 how much of the stuff is available and open
3: yeah. And I think that's something that people don't get, you know, and I hope our listeners find value in this. But I think a lot of times we're like, oh, I need to hire this expensive group or, you know, this expensive developer. And like the reality is like maybe that was true two or three years ago. And now so much of it is available it's open source is scalable in, you know, is built to accommodate people who want to participate and build experiences for their fans. And I think
2: honestly, for even any of our listeners, you know, and I've done this, I'm not, you know, I have a understanding of the technology. I'm not a coder. But, you know, I've gone on Third Web, I've gone on Manifold, I've minted things just really to try the process out. And I often will just do it as a kind of share it out to other people as a kind of, you know, Sam collectible, if you will, uh, the equivalent of a Poap. app. And I don't think they realize how easy that is. I will say that I also was really interested in the fact that David mentioned that Ticketmaster acquired a blockchain company 2018, so five years ago. And it sounds like they're playing on the enterprise blockchain level of internal services for it. With a closed, you know, centralized blockchain, but still fascinating to know that they've been sort of at least playing in the space for that long.
3: I think that a lot of companies have been looking into blockchain for a long time from an enterprise perspective. There are so many benefits to enterprise level blockchain adoption that have nothing to do with financial speculation. And the fact that Ticketmaster made that acquisition several years ago, way before anybody was talking about NFT ticketing just shows the fact that their, you know, ventures group and their innovation arm is looking into adopting these and, you know, not just treating them as a novelty, but treating these tools as a utility to help them improve their business.
2: Yeah. It reminds me of when, you know, IBM gets into supply chain management with their own blockchain and that, which I think they built on top of Stellar. They recognize that there's a benefit to the technology that again, is not financial, it's logistics. All right, you wrap us up and we'll see you all next week.
3: Thank you all for tuning into Gen C and joining Sam and I today. We love hearing from you. Any thoughts, ideas, suggested guests, hit me and Sam up in the wonderful folks at the CoinDesk Network. We love, love, love doing this and love hearing from what y'all want to know more about. We have a really incredible slate of guests coming up. So as always, see you next week on Gen C. Mm.